What's up, podcast? If you haven't done so already, please subscribe and share the podcast with everyone you know. Even if you didn't like the episode, share it anyway, because I'm trying to raise awareness and support for what the Detroit People's Food Co-op is doing in the North End neighborhood of Detroit. The co-op is an African-American-led, community-owned grocery cooperative. Their purpose is to provide improved access to healthy food and food education to Detroit residents. Learn more about their mission at DetroitPeoplesFoodCoop.com and sign up to become a member slash owner today. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Thanks. I'm here with Paul Jenkins Jr., better known as PJ with MIG Construction and author of the book, Fuck What They Think. What's going on, PJ? What up? What up? What's happening? Nothing much, man. Nothing much, man. You know, I've been excited for this episode, man, because people got to hear your story, man, and we got to dive into that book, man. Yes, sir, man. I was waiting. I was going to get my invite. <laughs> <laughs> Look, like I said, it was all a part of the plan, man. You just didn't know it. Let's do it. <laughs> so let's just start off by telling yeah. the audience, um, um, what do you do at MIG Construction? Sure, man. So I always tell people in most meetings or pitch meetings that I go to that uh, we do whatever it takes, but uh, construction is like my brother. You know what I'm saying? We come from four generations of general, general contractors. So, you know, I was born in a pair of blueprints. You know what I'm saying? That was like my diapers when I was little, man. So we've uh, followed the steps of four generations of Jenkins men, and I'm uh, continuing the legacy that my father built 20 years ago with this company in particular. He's been in the business for over 50 years. Uh, but MIGs, we're going on our 20th year. Uh, we're general contractors, construction managers. I'm a senior vice president. I'm also a partner with my father in this company. Um, most of the stuff that I do on a normal basis is I work with a great executive squad. Um, and we just take care of the day-to-day, uh, bid wonderful, impactful projects in the city, and uh, take care of our team. That's what we do. That's, that's the most important part of our business is making sure our team is safe and secure. Nice, nice, nice. So what's a couple of projects you guys got going on now? Sure, man. City? So uh, one of our, our claim to fames, and we're very, very proud of, we built Motor City Casino. Um, we were the general contractor on that back in early 2000 and it was a $391 million project, and we were the prime contractor on it with no partners. Um, Since then, we've been the only contractor, general contractor, that's been in that building since we built it. So uh, I think we know that building better than our homes. Um, (laughs) uh, We have an office in there, and we continue to bid work, but we still uh, are their contractor of choice. Right now, we're the joint venture partner for the new TCF tower that's going up downtown with Colasanti. It's a almost a $100 million project, and that'll be a three-year project. We do quite a bit of work with Bedrock. We're very happy working with Bedrock. Um, there's another developer downtown named um, Roger Basmajian who owns Basco Development. We do a lot of work with Roger also, and on top of that, Olympia Entertainment and uh, MGM keeps us very busy. So that's really like our top six clients that we service on a regular basis. Yeah, that that sounds like enough to keep you busy. It keeps us busy. (laughs) It's good developers to work for. Nice, nice, nice. So what's one thing people don't know about you? Oh, man. Yeah, I know. I had to put you on the spot. That's that's a good one, man. One thing people don't know. Well, being in the construction space, um, you know, we're very technical in our approach. Uh, So most people at work don't really know the creative side of PJ, the the writing the books, the designing of furniture. I've designed a couple of restaurants and, and nightclubs um, around the world. So uh, a lot of people don't know that side of me. I keep that side of me pretty private. It's more on the passion side. Got you, got mm-hmm. you. Now, as far as you say working around the world, mm-hmm. where um, 
where all other states do you guys work or perform mm-hmm. work at? So we're licensed in Atlanta. We're also licensed in New York. Uh, wow. We've done work in New York. We've done work in Ohio. Uh, we've been in Las Vegas. Uh, I think we spent about eight or nine years in Las Vegas uh, when Vegas was at its prime back in the early 2000s. Um, and Atlanta. You know, we, we licensed Atlanta for like the last four years. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. So how did you get started in construction? I know you mentioned the family legacy yeah. and uh, continuing the generations, so many generations being mm-hmm. involved in it. So were you kind of coached? Not really. Not really. I was coached to be an entrepreneur. I was coached to be a businessman. Uh, and it was funny because as I was growing up, I didn't choose to go in the construction route um, early in my you know, young adult years in my professional career. And that was by design. My, I never wanted to be just an owner's son working for his father, that wasn't attractive to me. Um, if I was going to be involved, I had to add some value to the company. So I spent the most of my life um, creating value. And over the last, I've been back with the company for the last five years, and my father and I have made a decision based on what I can bring to the table to bring me on board in a senior executive level. Wow. Yeah. Nice, nice. So what's your biggest obstacle you had to overcome just to kind of get where you're at today? Those obstacles are the greatest things ever. You know, the biggest, I, I don't think that anything in business has not happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been through, you know, being an entrepreneur, the, the, the highs are breathtakingly beautiful and the lows are heartbreakingly low. Um, and that's just the game you play as an entrepreneur. And if you're yeah. up to, um, if you're up for that, then it's a good game to play because it's very rewarding. Um, and even in those losses, those are the times when you learn the most. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, you know, nobody wants to lose, but there's no way to grow if you don't lose. Right. Uh, there's no way to grow if you don't learn some things or bump your head or if things just don't turn out like you want them to. I give a good example to my daughter and I say, Kobe Bryant, which is, you know, for me, one of the greatest basketball players that ever lived, and he's still my favorite athlete. And he was in the league for 20 years. Kobe Bryant won five championships, yeah. which means he lost 15 times. You're right. So he had to get back up after the media, his own personal doubts, the loss, the failures, everything he did right or wrong, and go back to the gym the next day and work at it again. And consistently lost, you know, over year after yeah. year, and had some winning streaks. So it's just part of the game. It's the game you play, and people really have to understand there's nothing embarrassing about losing or, or failing or anything like that. It's part of the game. Yeah, 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 no doubt. We just kind of had a brief moment like that, actually, with my company, uh, Michigan General Contractors. We made a mistake on a job, and of course, like, when you make a mistake, your first gut instinct may be to kind of curl up in the Mm -hmm. corner Mm because you don't want to face it. Mm -hmm. But we kind of stepped back and said, okay, let's just turn this into a learning opportunity and correct the problem, correct the issue. So as soon as the mistake was happened, mistake happened we got right on the phone with the owners and let them know like hey this what happened mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do to remedy the situation let's move forward That's right it's integrity yeah 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 integrity. It's, it's a big thing in business i always say you know you're going to make mistakes and just facing it and having some accountability and having a hand in the matter you know you know takes a stand for who you are as a businessman definitely you know, people respect that definitely. if they don't then you know, still maintain it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So with a variety of different projects in the city being um, postponed or behind mm-hmm. schedule, 
Do you think the lack of skilled labor is affecting the the uh, development market? I think so. Um, you know, over the last four or five years, um, even traveling outside of Detroit, it's been a common denominator for a lot of um, cities that the skilled um, the labor force is just not there. And luckily, by being in this business for as long as we have and our family, I've got a chance to see that, you know, when you come into these uh, depressions or these economic downturns, um, in 2008 specifically, a lot of our general contractors, construction managers, subcontractors didn't have work because we took an economic crash. Um, so they either quit, they left Detroit, or they went into a different profession. And nobody, and we certainly didn't uh, think for one second that Detroit was going to be what it is today yeah. um, a few years ago. Yeah, so, nobody saw that coming. Um, all these jobs coming at the exact same time, developers, and we, we become an attractive showcase for the world right now. And people are coming in town um, trying to get a piece of the piece of the pie, and I get it. But there's only so much workers now because we've lost so many. So, wow. you know, logistically, a lot of developers, we really have to play together, um, so to speak, to make sure that we can all finish our jobs. But, you know, Unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't work out like that. <laughs> but some of us do. There's a lot of people play real well in the sandbox together. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So do you have any advice for someone that's looking to get started in construction? Yeah. Uh, you know, construction is, it's, it's never a dull day. It's always different. Um, you know, you eat what you kill. You know, it's not one of those, it's a service, provide, it's a service uh, industry. So... For me, getting into construction, you got to love it. Uh, you got to know what you're doing. So my advice is to go work for somebody or go form your own companies and bump your head and get your contacts and relationships in check before you bring that value to a new company or, or to a new business. Um, but just, you know, at the end of the day, man, one of the things I, I tell everyone is don't forget to have fun. Don't take life so serious, man. You know, yeah, it's a serious gig. Yeah, we have to make money, and yeah, we have to work. But let's have a good time while we're doing it. Let's have a, you know, let's have some fun while we're doing this thing. So my biggest advice is, don't take life so serious, and and take some time to smell the roses and have a good time in life. Smart, smart. That's one of the main things I always try to remember when I started out um, with my venture, when I started my company, because I I was so serious and mm -hmm. focused on every single little detail. And then it got to the point where a weekend may come around and I'm still calling my guys about work. Mm -hmm. And I had mm -hmm. to remind myself, like, it's Sunday. That's right. You know, let's Take just, yeah, let's step back for a second and remember, like, let's have fun and relax mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So let's get into the fun part. Yeah of the podcast let's dive into that book man yes fuck what they think <laughs> a little edgy <laughs> little alter ego of my construction world <laughs> so what uh what made you pick that title you know what i i've never been afraid uh you know of being a little edgy so you know people who knew me as a kid they knew i was always doing things just a little bit different when people wore nikes i had adidas when people wore gold i had silver you know so yeah, it was right. always something to go that was kind of against the grain a little bit but i had reached some old, some personal challenges in my life a few years ago and uh you know like you know the, the normal things is sometimes people doubt you and sometimes you doubt yourself and these these voices become um overpowering in your ear and what they do is they cripple you and they stop you from moving forward and they stop you from pursuing your dream 
And, you know, it really, it was just one day. I was like, man, fuck what they think, man, I'm doing this shit. Yeah. And it just became my mantra. You know, you still got to keep going. People are going to talk. There's going to be doubters. There's going to be naysayers. And that's okay. Um, sometimes those naysayers and doubters create the best champions. You know, Kobe Bryant at a free throw line on an away game. It's 20,000 people booing him in his face. Yeah, you know just waiting mean? on your downfall. That feeds yeah. him. That's ammunition. Yeah. So I used it as, you know, fuck what you think was kind of like ammunition for hearing some of the naysayers. And just to be honest, some of the naysayers were my own personal voice. Yeah. Me saying that I couldn't do it. Yeah. So I even had to tell myself, look what you think too, bro. <laughs> You're going to do this. You had, you had to get yeah. out of your own way. Get out of your own way. Yeah. Man. So yeah. the book kind of took a life of its own. I always said that I was either going to be on some couch um, getting therapy or I was going to have to go out here and figure out a way to inspire somebody. And that's what that book was for me, man. And um, the first one, this is the third volume, and the first one was really therapy, therapeutic for me. And... Um, it was the best feeling in the world when you get a text message or a call from somebody saying, hey, I'm reading your book right now. And, you know, this one just came right on time, man. Thank you. And that's really what sparked for me to continue doing a, a different volume every year and dope. starting to push it a little bit more. Dope, dope. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, man, that's that's exactly what happened to me. I know I told you before, but I cracked the book open. I, when a page hit me, I leave it on that page, close the book up, mm -hmm. think about it for two, three days. Live with it. Mm -hmm. Now let's revisit the book in two, three days, flip the page. If I can't flip that page mm -hmm. where I left it at, I'm closing the book again. I come back next week. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and that's how I do mm -hmm. it, man. It may I may be on one page for one, two weeks or so, and then I'm, when I'm finally ready mm -hmm. to move past that page and land on something else, that page stays wow, for man. another two, three days until I'm ready to move to the next so page. Really diving into it. I appreciate that, man. That means a lot that people are, that you are actually living with it. You know what I mean? It makes it mean something. When I say you did something with that book, I, I, I keep calling it a book, but it's not really a book. Because if, if you really think about it, it's something that's just... It grows with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not really a book. The book doesn't have page numbers. Right. And I did that on purpose, by the way, just yeah. because I didn't want it to go in any particular order. I wanted you just to crack the book open and, and live with something. That's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Because I was about to say, like, a message hits you one day and then you go through the book. Let's say you revisit that same message three months, six yeah. months, one year later, and it can hit different. Very different. Each yeah, message yeah. can hit different depending on where you at in your life. So what I want to do is I picked out a few, which was hard as hell to do. I picked mm -hmm. out a few mm -hmm. pages <laughs> that resonated with me. Man, listen, <laughs> and I'm only halfway through the book. I can't tell you what page number I'm on That's a page. Right. That is no page numbers. I just <laughs> I'm gauging. I'm guessing I'm halfway through the book. Yeah. And I wanted to pick out five messages that really inspired and resonated with me and I had to eliminate about 20 <laughs> to get down to this five so I want to just kind of read it for the audience and then sure. you explain the history of the message uh how did it make its way into the book or maybe you know a personal mm -hmm. story or example of how it resonated and what it means to you so the first one I want to start off with is every next level of your life will demand a different you yes so that was I've been in several different industries and um, you know, I always say, I like to get involved with things that I have no business doing. 
I like to get involved with things that I have no idea how to do it. That's the excitement for me and being an entrepreneur. Uh, I've owned restaurants, I've owned nightclubs, I've owned bars, I've written books. Um, and none of those industries that I have any kind of mentorship when I didn't know anything about. I remember when I opened my first restaurant and uh, someone was like, man, you, you never even uh, bust a table in your life. How are you gonna open a restaurant? And I was like, I have no idea. I was like, we're gonna figure it out on the way. We're gonna figure and it out. Three restaurants later, we, we figured it out. You yeah. know, we figured it out. So, you know, when you get to every different level, what I've noticed about myself is as you grow, so does, you know, your internal has to grow with it. You know, otherwise you're never gonna be ready for that next level. So every different level is going to demand a new you every single time. Yeah. You know, and if it doesn't, if, you, if the same you was going to the next level, then we need to pull it back and get to the drawing board and kind of talk about some growth. Success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome. Mm -hmm. uh, again, you know, I see t at our office, you know, we've, 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 we've debated on whether we should put titles on our business cards. And um, it doesn't matter to me. Um, we have a job to do, and collectively as a team, let's go do the job. And yes, LeBron might be the power forward, but trust me, if the point guard throws him the ball, he's gonna dribble the ball down, down like a point guard. Right. He does what it takes to win the game and to score. And that's our philosophy at our company, is that we do what it takes to win. And we do what it takes as a team, and there's no egos involved. We just say, hey, if I need to take the garbage out, jump on top of a dumpster, or lay some concrete, whoever needs to do it shows up and does the job. So um, that's really like the basis of how that quote came together is is really just that that level. Got you, got you. Yeah, for me, man, when I came across, across that one, it stuck with me. That was one that... I left for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. I couldn't flip that page. Mm -hmm. Because up until about maybe two years ago, I really, I really redefined what success meant to me. Mm -hmm. um, early 20 year old me, success was a millionaire, mm -hmm. staying in a penthouse somewhere, mm -hmm. entire family down to the cousins and uncles retired, mm -hmm. like you made it, that's success. Right. And you got a jet. I'll take that. Why not, right? <laughs> but I had to redefine success and think about how far I've come, how far my family has come in our personal mm -hmm. life. Because um, a lot of people, if you listen to the show, you may have heard an episode of me mention to where me and my wife at one point was staying in a one bedroom apartment where mm -hmm. the rent was $700. Mm -hmm. And we were splitting that and could barely afford it. Mm -hmm. So thinking about how far we came and where we're at now and how I'm able to provide for my family, mm -hmm. start uh, a successful, I'm gonna call it successful, mm -hmm. general contracting firm, I would call that success. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I had to think about it. You know, success depends on where each person has come from and where you're growing and how you evolved and you can be successful. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I always think too, you know, the obstacles come along with the game. And we should we should embrace those obstacles, you know. Yes, again, they suck when you're going through them, yeah. but it's a part of the game, and it's kind of what makes you into who you are at the end of the day. I did some uh, early, early. My first profession was into um, special event production, so I did a lot of events. And one of the events I did for P Diddy, um, and I met Puff on a few occasions. But I remember one conversation that we had in particular was 
wasn't anything about how much money he had in the bank. It wasn't that he was P. Diddy. You know, I think he was P. Diddy then. Now he's Diddy or it might be Love or, you know, then right, it's P. Diddy. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's my man. So, uh, but I remember, you know, the stories that he told in that meeting and none of them was about his status today. It was all mm. about the chapters between the front and the back cover of the book. Mm. So it was the obstacles. It was the fact that he was driving from Washington, D.C. to New York four days a week with his boy in an El Camino. That mm. was pretty dope to hear from Puff Daddy. He didn't tell me that he had $150 million in his bank. That wasn't important to him. It yeah. was all the obstacles that it took for him to get to be the $150 million in the bank kind of guy. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, I embraced that when I listened. I got the, the privilege to be able to work with some great seasoned entrepreneurs, um, my father's friends, these guys are 60, 70, 80 years old. So I get to hear, yeah, they're successful and yeah, they're big companies and they're taking care of the families. But more importantly, I get to hear the makings of it and all the BS that they went through. And that's pretty much most of the time I'm sitting with the older gentlemen, that's what you hear. Yeah. And that's what you wanna hear. Yeah. So as we grow and we're the young entrepreneurs, it's almost our duty to go through the obstacles and get through them so we can coach our young generation coming up. Yeah. Because they need the coaching to know it's gonna be okay. Yeah. You're, you're gonna fall, you're gonna bump your head. Trust me, I made it through and you can too. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Get it, just get it out the mud mm -hmm. because you appreciate it more. You absolutely do. Well, yeah. I, I do wanna chime in on just success because me at the, at the 45 year old PJ, and again, I, I was just like you, at the 25 year old PJ, it was money. Yeah. That was success. Um, but at the 45 year old PJ, uh, success to me is health, mm. is being healthy. Uh, mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, really tapping into yourself to be healthy. Because if you think about it, if you're not mentally, physically, spiritually healthy, you can't grow to get the jet. <laughs> right, no. You know what I mean? So no. now at this point in my life, I spend quite a bit of time trying my hardest, and it's, it's a balancing act, but to be as balanced as I can and to not take on too much or to overexert myself where I can't be good for my family or for myself or for my spirituality. So I make sure that I take on just enough to be balanced and nothing more. So I've learned how to say no. But to success for me at this point in my life is being healthy. Wow, yeah. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned obstacles kind of when we touched on the last inspirational message and this next one mentions obstacles too. The biggest obstacle standing in the way of anything is often your idea that it cannot be. And I love that one because mm -hmm. it just seems so mental. Seriously. It really made me think about the book, um, Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was just so mentally mm -hmm. inspired to say, you can do it. Mm -hmm. It's possible. It's possible. Why not? You know, anything is possible. It, it really is. And I know it's cliche, but if you think about it, Okay, uh, I, I rewind back to owning a restaurant, right? And mm -hmm. someone said to me, you can't do it. I didn't tell her I was going to invent electricity. You know what I mean? Right. I open a restaurant. It's 60 million restaurants around the country. <laughs> Why can't I open a restaurant? Right, exactly. <laughs> so I would have to tell myself that I can't do it. For one, either not to show up, because you know, being successful also, also takes day-to-day you know, grind. Yeah. So sometimes you can talk yourself out of something because you have to think about, okay, once I do it, oh crap, now I gotta actually do this. Yep. First time I opened a restaurant, man, I remember the landlord gave me the keys and said, son, go open up your restaurant. 
I was so excited and I remember I took the keys and then I went inside the restaurant and I sat down in the chair and I was scared as shit. Yep. And I was like, oh shit, now what, I gotta what do What did this. I get into? Now yeah, I gotta yeah, do it. Yeah. I could have talked myself out of an overplanned and been successful telling everyone in the streets what I'm going to do. Yeah. Just never been that kind of gentleman. I, I, I'm the kind of guy who actually goes out, dream it, and then I wake up from that dream and I go do it. Yeah. So, um, yeah man, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a game to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt, no mm -hmm. doubt. That kind of reminds me um, when I told everyone I wanted to be a real estate investor. Mm -hmm. Then went out and purchased my first house and some land mm -hmm. um, in the North End neighborhood. And the house um, had a little bit of fire damage. Mm -hmm. Walked into it, same thing you just said. I kind of just sat yeah. there with the keys like, uh, shit. <laughs> I mean it now. <laughs> right, like, look, Chris, you told yourself you wanted to do real estate. You yeah. in it now. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. You can really talk yourself out of it, man. You know, and again, we owe it to ourselves. We come up with an idea. You know, that idea is not our idea. That's a gift. That idea is a gift, man, from a man upstairs. And when he puts these, you know, these these ideas or these concepts or these business ideas in front of you, you have an obligation to do the due diligence to try to make this thing work. You know, and I, and I truly look at those things as these things, I, you know, I dreamt it up. But that dream didn't come from me. You know what I mean? So now I got to go, you know, tell my man upstairs, okay, I hear you. Now I'm going to go ahead and do this. Gotcha. And have some, have some confidence in myself. Yeah. But, you know, oftentimes we talk ourselves out of things, but the slightest little movement forward will take any kind of doubt out of, out of the picture. Anything. As soon as you got the house and got in there and settled, the doubt was gone. Yeah. You already made the first step. Once yeah. you make the first step, the obstacles and the, and the BS and the haters and you telling yourself that it can't be completely leaves. Yeah. That point. Yeah, you're right. So, you're right. And you can do it, man. There was a day when Thomas Edison, you know, just think back. And obviously, I don't know Thomas Edison, but think back this. I mean, imagine this story. Thomas Edison says to his homies, <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, man, I'm going to uh, invent some electricity. I'm going to turn this light switch on and we're going to have light. So, what did his boys think about him at that time? Like everybody got up and walked out the room. Thought he was smoking something. You know what I mean? Exactly. And here we are. Yeah. Here we are. So sometimes the craziest, wildest dreams. Sometimes you got to keep it to yourself because you know you either talk yourself out of it or somebody's gonna try and talk you out of it, man. And go invent, go invent that electricity. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> go do no it. No doubt. Now this next one, it's kind of a little bit personal, I think, but let me just get you your feedback on it. Mm -hmm. You live, you learn, you cry, laugh, you experience, and through it all, you become more fully alive than ever. Mm -hmm. I'm a proponent of living in the moment. Um, I'm also a proponent of allowing stages of my life to happen. Um, and I don't suppress. If I feel like laughing, I laugh. If I feel like crying, I cry. If I feel like cussing somebody out, I cuss them out. So I, I live in what God has provided to me. I tell my daughter all the time, and she's tried to suppress her tears. I'm like, why do you think God gave you tear ducts to yeah. use them when you need them? Yeah. He gave you laugh lines so you can laugh as much as you possibly can. So otherwise, we just would have been born with a straight face and no emotion. So we go through these things, you live, you laugh, you learn, you cry, and through all that, you, if you embrace it and say, this is just what I have to go through. If it's painful, I gotta cry it out, but I have to deal with it. So if you allow yourself to go through it, you actually can feel yourself actually being more alive. But you know, when you suppress those things, you're actually kind of killing your soul. Yeah, yeah. 
No, I thought that was huge, man. It's funny that you kind of put that page in there because I got a good friend. His name is Ryan. Mm -hmm. He's been making a lot of posts on Facebook lately about how we need to start telling African-American men it's okay to be emotional. Yeah. But we wasn't told that Mm -hmm. growing up. Mm -hmm. The majority of us wasn't told that growing Mm -hmm. up you know we may have been told something that completely opposite that that's a form of weakness Mm -hmm. or you shouldn't do that you know people look at you weird Mm -hmm. you soft everything like that but the conversation especially as i'm getting older um that my friends are starting to have is it's okay to have that conversation Mm -hmm. you know let's talk about this let's Mm -hmm. talk about that should we start going to therapy Mm -hmm. Because it's a lot of stuff that we as a, a black man, we we kind of just bury deep down right. inside and yeah. we don't express and we just think it's okay, but it's really not. Right. It's not. Yeah. If you don't talk it out and actually deal with it, it's, it's never going to be okay. Yeah. I think we're in a generation now where, you know, the being open and transparent and more vulnerable is, is becoming more accepted, you know, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, 80s, I think it was less uh, accepted. So yeah, you're right. We were bred to be like, hey, you, you know, don't ever let anybody see you sweat, cry, be upset. You know, just kind of maintain this stern, this stern uh, demeanor. Yeah. And that's exhausting. Yep. You know. But one thing I've learned is that in the state of being vulnerable, you also have a better connection with somebody because what ends up happening is if we've both been bred to uh, not show emotion. At the first sign of somebody showing emotion, it almost breaks down the other person. Yep. And you actually have some great dialogue and you actually start sharing and you have more of a meaningful relationship versus if I don't say anything to you and you don't say anything to me, how does our relationship ever grow? Right. You know what I mean? So whether it's a, an intimate relationship with man and wife or just your homie, if I don't talk to you and let you know how I really feel, how are we growing in a relationship? So that I've really learned over the last couple of years, to be honest, it's very new for me too, um, that open honesty and vulnerability and integrity and authenticity actually can help you to develop great relationships. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So this last one I got here, man, I can't believe it's the last one. Like I said, I got about 10, 15 more I wanted to run through, but we're going we gonna to keep it short. We, I got to leave some for the people that want to purchase the book. I, I, I can't drop everything. <laughs> some gems in there, man. Right, right. <laughs> So behind every successful person, there is a lot of unsuccessful years. Oh my God, yeah. So I call this, everybody has a day one. You know, you have to understand that there was a day when Michael Jordan actually did not know how to play basketball. Mm. You know what I mean? He had a day one where he sat in there and missed every jumper and could not play. But the persistence and the persistence, but nobody saw that time. Nobody sees the Michael Jordan in the gym by himself, the grind. Michael Jordan, and you know, winning the championships. Yeah, they don't see so, the grind. You know, I call it instant oatmeal. A lot of us nowadays want instant oatmeal. You know, no man, you got to put it in the oven. You got to cook it. <laughs> <laughs> this takes some seasoning and some cooking, man, and some right. trial and error. <laughs> so yeah, you know, anybody who's successful, I won't do business with somebody who has not had some sort of challenge or failure or loss or something because they get it. It's almost like a fraternity. They get it. So no, it's a whole lot. I don't know anybody who hasn't had any kind of, you know, a ton of unsuccessful years. Most successful men that I know, men and women that I know, um, have had more unsuccessful years than successful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So yeah, man, listen, what I wanna do, 
um, to the listeners, I want to give one of you guys this book as a gift. Yes. So listeners, if you made it this far in the episode, just send a DM to either either Instagram account, the audio fix or MI general contractors. And let me know what was your favorite inspirational message from the ones we discussed and why. Why did it resonate with you? So the first person to send me that DM, they will receive a copy of the Fuck What They Think book. That's dope, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate you, PJ. Thank you. Thanks, man.